And thanks for listening to The Collect Call. Holly and I are on Easter break for the next few weeks while we figure out what year three of The Collect Call is going to look like. So we are presenting to you digitally remastered picture disc editions of our first episodes. Uh, The sound quality that we posted the first time around wasn't that great, but we have the original sound files. We've cleaned them up a little bit, and uh, hopefully they will sound better than ever. Or if you're hearing them for the first time, uh, we hope that you will enjoy us as baby podcasters. Speaking of podcasting, June 6th through the 8th is going to be the E-Formation Conference at Virginia Theological Seminary, and uh, I'm going to be there doing a workshop, which I'm excited about, but the thing I'm even more excited about is that Joe McGarry of the Two Bald Pastors podcast and I are teaming up to offer a hands-on podcasting clinic. So if podcasting is something that you have been interested in, but you're not quite sure how to do it, we're going to be doing some uh, work on editing and recording and getting set up on iTunes, all that kind of thing. Uh, It's not really that hard, uh, but, you know, sometimes you just need a little help getting started. Uh, So I hope you'll come for that or any of the other uh, great things that are happening at eFormation. You can find out more at eFormationVTS.org. And then last, before we get into the show, um, this episode... Well, between the first and the second episode of the show, um, my mother died unexpectedly. And so you're going to hear me talk about that um, in a state of uh, some measure of emotional shock on the upcoming episode. And I just want to give a real shout out to my co-host, Holly Powell, uh, because while I don't necessarily say a lot about this on the show, um, being with her doing this project through... Uh, a hard time. Um, It was really important to me. And uh, so even though I don't have Holly here to speak with me today, uh, y'all need to know that Holly is a super special and wonderful person. And I am so grateful to have her in my life. And I'll say that to Holly to her face um, sometime soon when we're recording again. But uh, for now, uh, do enjoy the show. Have a happy Easter, everybody. We'll see you in a few weeks. Okay, welcome everyone to the Call It Call podcast. Uh, we are here today with uh, Brendan O'Sullivan Hale. Want to introduce yourself, Brendan? Yeah, I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints, Minneapolis, Indiana. And I'm Holly Powell, and I am a layperson and a member of Holy Trinity Episcopal Church in Georgetown, Kentucky. Well, great. We are a a part of the Acts 8 moment, which is a group that is proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. And this is a little podcast that we're doing throughout the Easter season to just kind of take a look at the appointed collect of the week and see if we can get some additional meaning out of it. So the collect of the week is a prayer that occurs uh, towards the beginning of the service uh, each week. And there are literally uh, dozens and in fact hundreds of these prayers uh, that are in uh, the Episcopal Church. And their purpose is to set a, uh, a tone for the week. 
So the purpose of this podcast is to delve into those. Now, collect is spelled like collect. Uh, so, for instance, if you're a collector of baseball cards or mid-century modern furniture. And uh, last week, Holly, you had asked uh, why it is uh, that we spell it collect but say collect. Uh, and we actually have a, uh, a special guest on our podcast uh, this week, uh, my fabulous husband, Frank Smith, uh, who knows the answer. Uh, so I'm going to uh, let him jump in here. Yay! Well, hello. And I'm so glad to be able to finally use my master's degree for something. Um, <laughs> so this word belongs to a class of words called heteronyms, which are words that share a spelling but are pronounced differently. And there is a pattern in English with words that have the same spelling that are nouns or verbs. And when they're nouns, the stress tends to be on the first syllable. And when they're verbs the stress tends to be on the second syllable. So if you think about it, right now, we are in the process of recording a podcast, and once it's put up on the web, there will be a record of it. Also, you go to the grocery store and you buy produce that has been produced by plants. So we have collect the noun, and we have collect the verb. Technically, I think it's the farmers who are doing the producing. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. Be picky. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Frank. Hey, um, Frank. Linguistics forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, Holly, why don't we jump right into the uh, collect? Uh, do you want to uh, read it for us? Sure, I'd be happy to. And um, if you are following along at home, playing along with the home version... You can find this on page 224 of the Book of Common Prayer. This is the collect for the second Sunday of Easter. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal Mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, this is kind of like last week's prayers in that there is a whole bunch packed into a uh, pretty short amount of text. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. And uh, I, I don't know where we want to start, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll start right at the beginning uh, with the Paschal Mystery. Yes, this is fascinating to me. Well, tell us what you've learned about it. <laughs> so I did a little bit of research. I've always wondered, um, as a person who didn't grow up in the Episcopal Church, I always kind of uh, wondered what the term Paschal meant. Um, it's not something that I had um, heard as a child growing up. So in my research, I learned a little bit about the term Paschal, which comes from the Greek Pascha which literally means to pass over or to spare. So often the term Paschal Mystery is used to describe the period of time from the crucifixion, from, from Good Friday all the way up through the ascension, including the death and resurrection of Jesus. I just I find it really interesting that, that the term in many, in its root, goes back to the Jewish Passover and that sense of Jesus carrying our sins um, and sparing us from that that type of 
uh, pain. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I think the thing that I identify with so much about that linkage between Easter and Passover, uh, not just, of course, in the time of year uh, that these two celebrations are occurring, but also uh, in the uh, the tight link uh, between the story of the Exodus uh, with Israel being rescued from oppression under the Egyptians and then the saving action uh, of Jesus uh, on the cross, risen and ascended as a uh, as a way of helping liberate us from from sin and death is I, I guess the thing that I really get about that is almost the the repetition of that resurrection action throughout history uh, the of of resurrection as an organizing principle of the way God works in the world. The other piece of this besides Pascal uh, that always gets me is this word mystery Uh Uh, and here we mean mystery not in sort of the Agatha Christie kind of way as something to uh, to be solved uh, that we can figure out sort of who did it and why and how but that this is um, a way that God acts that is beyond uh, human knowledge or or, uh, or comprehension that we cannot, by reason alone, uh, fully understand what God has done for us. And so it's, uh, it's through including our reason and understanding, uh, but also, also encountering that mystery uh, through uh, worship, prayer, uh, and sacrament uh, that, we, that we can start to understand it in our hearts. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I'll say... I'll say one thing very briefly uh, on this. Uh, as you know, Holly, um, my uh, my mother passed away uh, very suddenly over this last week, and I uh, I officiated at her funeral on Sunday. And I can tell you that you know, kind of the very last thing you say in a funeral service during the committal uh, is "Alleluia, Christ is risen." And saying that with some measure of conviction when what objectively is happening in front of your eyes is basically the exact opposite of that, that concept of mystery uh, was very comforting to me uh, in, in that moment. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. The, the next kind of little piece of the prayer is, is that it says that, God in the Paschal mystery established a new covenant of reconciliation. You know, I, I said this in the last podcast, but I am a um, a critical reader and um, tend to dissect things maybe a little more than I should. But I, I was curious about this word reconciliation. It's something we hear a lot in church. I, I decided to pull up the old Merriam-Webster and and take a look. <laughs> And there are two kind of official definitions of that word, reconciliation, one being uh, causing two people or groups of people to become friends again after an argument, and the second being a process of finding a way to make two very different ideas exist at the same time. So I'm thinking to myself, this Paschal mystery is in fact a reconciliation of the idea of 
of death and life, uh, two very different ideas existing in one person and in one concept of, of God. Well, right, as, uh, as the Bishop of Indianapolis uh, says, and she may have picked this up from somewhere else, um, it, resurrection only works on dead things. Uh, so <laughs> that concept of, uh, of new life and death have to coexist together. Yeah. I, I think of it, too, as the tension between being a redeemed people uh, and being people who continually fail. And the way that I look at this sometimes is through the lens of, uh, of Psalm 51, which is one of my favorites. Uh, and here, particularly looking at verses 16 and 17, for you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Uh, and I think that that's just beautiful. Um, because if you look at the previous covenant of the, uh, of the sacrificial system uh, that we see throughout so much of the Hebrew scriptures, uh, a great deal of that uh, is transactional in nature. Uh, both the uh, both the sacrifices that uh, that the people owe God because God is God and uh, and is owed so, such things by virtue of being God, uh, as well as the offerings uh, for uh, for sin, for thanksgiving, uh, and so on. Whereas uh, the new covenant of reconciliation through Jesus is coming back brokenhearted to God uh, through Christ being assured of God's love in that. Right. Right. No, that that psalm is, is perfectly put. You can also get a lot more technical with this if you look at the letter of the Hebrews, but I don't really feel like going there today. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we should. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I thought was that if we jump over to the next part of the prayer, which is what we are asking to be granted to us, um, there's we get that new covenant bit uh, a little bit. Uh, so we ask that uh, to grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body, so that is uh, all people who have been baptized, uh, may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Uh, so there's actually an implicit linkage here uh, to the baptismal covenant, uh, which is uh, all about reconciliation. Right. No, that's that's absolutely right. And, you know, this is such an interesting thing because at church this past Easter Sunday, um, my church actually was standing room only, which was fascinating. I don't know that I've ever seen that in my church. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. And so we're standing and we're reciting the Nicene Creed as we do every Sunday, but there was just a, a louder choral tone to the, to the recitation as there were so many more people in the room. And I was thinking to myself as I was going through the words that at this point I have memorized and don't need to look at or think about, how different would my life look if I lived out every single one of these words that I'm saying? How different would it be if I really did believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church as opposed to looking at other churches and thinking they're not doing it right or 
we do this better. You know what I mean? Like I just, and so I was kind of pondering on that. And then when I started looking at this collect for next week, I thought, oh, there it is. <laughs> well, yeah, it's sort of funny because you know th- this is very much a prayer uh, that that also says, uh, don't worry about other people. Um, work, uh, work on yourselves, whatever community you happen to be as a community of baptized people. I thought it was interesting. I, I was, um, so, uh, this past Sunday for Easter, I was in, uh, Kuala Lumpur, uh, where my parents were living. And so I went to, uh, the, uh, Easter service at the cathedral there. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting in the uh, in the intercessions that were printed in the bulletin. Uh, this part wasn't read out loud, uh, but was a section uh, calling for the uh, the Church of England to return to biblical principles or something. I can't remember exactly what the word was, uh, but you know that kind of code language uh, that that in some ways is kind of guaranteed to irritate a person like me. Right. But, I thought that came back to me in sort of contrast to this prayer again, uh, which really suggests, you know, concentrate, uh, concentrate on your own faith and, uh, and working out your own faith and action. Again, whether that's personally or in community, that's kind of, that needs to be a both and thing. But I liked that aspect. It's not asking other people to do something. It's asking you to do something. Right, exactly. And it, ties in even a little bit to the whole um, 12-step program of attraction rather than promotion, uh, which I've always found interesting and helpful in a church context. If you truly do show in your life what you say you believe, there's no need to buy Facebook ads or advertise on the radio uh, because what you are exhibiting in your life will naturally draw people to want to know more. And I think that this prayer in a, in a way is saying exactly that. The other thing about it is that this is uh, this prayer is a real contrast to last week because last week we were talking about how the prayers uh, don't really call us to any particular action. Uh, mm-hmm. That we just got to hang out and uh, celebrate the resurrection and have Easter brunch and whatever else. But uh, this prayer is actually saying, "Okay, you've done that, great." Uh, And now it's time to move on uh, to the next thing in this great 50 days of Easter, uh, which is aligning our lives with the life of our risen Lord. So just a little bit of of history on this. This, uh, If you are praying along with the collects in the Book of Common Prayer, this prayer was actually appointed for the Thursday in Easter week as well. Uh, And it comes from the Gregorian Sacramentary where it was initially appointed for the Friday of Easter week. And that Gregorian sacramentary, incidentally, is the one that dates back to about 600. Uh, so we're dealing with another 1,400-year-old prayer here, um, which uh, I love that. I do too. So, Holly, are you ready for our Twitter challenge? I am ready. I'm ready. And before we get started, uh, we should probably give a little shout-out to Laura Catalano uh, from Creefcore, Missouri, whose uh, website, episcopalshare.org, is one of the main places that you can find tweetable prayers. 
uh, it's a very, very cool website. And um, this, her idea of having tweetable prayers is probably what either uh, consciously or subconsciously inspired this little portion of our podcast here. Right, and her, her tweetable prayers, I think, are probably universally better than ours. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so who's going first this time? I'll go first. Okay. I know I, I received some flack on the Twitter this past week for not counting my characters, so I have counted, and I have 60 characters to spare. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> Mine is, is uh, short and to the point, and it is, help us behave the way we say we believe, oh God, hashtag Easter 2, hashtag collect of the week. Very nice. Uh, so mine is longer. I don't have room for hashtags. Um, <laughs> I, came in, I, I can't tell right now. I came in below 140, but only barely. So mine is... God, let me be a window to your grace. Be light shining through me where I am clear. Where I am smudged, be thou my Windex. You're so poetic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So we'll, uh, we'll get that in the new edition of Wonder, Love, and Praise. Absolutely. So. We're probably on the cover of the next edition of Holy Women, Holy Men, right? <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, for those of you listening, we really appreciate you all um, following along with us. Please leave us comments on Facebook, on Twitter, um, on our blog. Uh, this is, as we said earlier, a podcast of the Acts 8 moment. You can find us on the web at acts8moment.org. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Acts8Moment, again, the number eight, or um, on Twitter at Acts8Moment. Our theme music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. We hope you all have a uh, great week, and we look forward to joining you uh, next week uh, when we'll talk about the college for the third Sunday of Easter. Flesh keep silence, and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth. Our full homage to demand.